right, good morning, everyone. All right, let's stand on up. We're going to worship the Lord today, as we do every day. Thank you. 
How are we doing this week? Welcome. It's May, okay? Outside, right? It feels like May. What is going on with this weather this year, right? How many are sad there's no snow? All right, kind of, sort of, okay. How many are glad it's like 60 degrees? There you go. All right. How many are upset that probably by the end of this, this week it's like 50-some, so it's going to look good, but how many are afraid it's going to go back to 20s and 30s? Okay, all right. We're never happy, are we? So, but... But we're here to, uh, to worship God, and um, regardless of what season or time it may be, that he is the God of it all. Amen? Now oh, we got to try it again. Amen. Amen. Here we go. All right, everybody. We're here to worship the Lord, and there's just so much about God. And so we just want you to sing and worship him in every way. Wayne, you got anything today? Um, not really. I mean, yeah. That works. I just like singing. All right. You guys like singing? Yeah? Cool. That's all I'm good at. No. <laughs> all right, let's go. Blessed be your name. You guys know the song? Sing along. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful with the streams of abundance flow blessed be your name blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place when I walk through the wilderness blessed be your name every blessing every blessing you pour out out turn back to praise when the darkness closes in lord still i will say blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your glorious Blessed be the name of 
you there are at least at least 10,000 reasons that we can give praise to you and so God as we are here today and we are just thankful to be here together to gather we're thankful that we live in a country where we can come and gather and freely worship your name that great name and Lord we pray that um, for that one day that when you return that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that great name his name is Jesus and so God we just ask the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit just to touch us here today and to minister to us um, what you have for us for we love you God and um, we just want to have an awesome time. In Christ's name, everybody says. Yeah. All right, at this time, our children are headed to our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry. And everybody else, say hello to somebody. All right, how are we doing? Great to see everybody here today. Here we are. Welcome to Haven Community Church. How are you doing? All right. So what we want to do, we want to welcome those who are part of our online church through havencc.org. Everybody say hi. hi. All right, let's welcome Facebook Live. Everybody say Facebook Live. All right, Haven Church and Facebook Live, you're all part of our worship today, and we are glad that you're here. All right, so great to have you. Just to let you know, there was like some, what, 500 people or so that clicked in to part of our worship last week. So that's awesome. That is amazing. So we want to welcome all of you, and hopefully you'll hang out for a while, but if not, we're glad you're joining in and out throughout the week. So everybody else, good to see your faces, and we're glad that you are here. Visitors, welcome, welcome, welcome. Real quick thing, hopefully you received the card, um, or if you've been here for a while and never got the card, or you got the card and didn't fill it in, go ahead, fill that in. 
take it out here. We have a small gift for you. If you're a part of our online church or Haven CC um, or Facebook, go ahead and just jot us a note. Facebook's real easy. Um, I know people say after we say good morning, good morning, and we're glad to, ha- to have that connection with people. Everybody else here can say hi in the flesh. But we're glad that you're here, and if you're here, please take that card in, and we have a small gift. Thank you for being part of our worship. Um, we had our Haven 101 class last week, and then we also will have another one coming up soon. Uh, today, there's a lot of stuff going on today, so I'm going to rip through them really quickly. Uh, a vacation Bible school planning session after church. Um, after church today, we also have um, our final day of Miriam's Table Outreach, and um, Susan Kiefer is going to go ahead and share with us a little bit. Um, and for those of you who may not have seen that, we're going to show you a brief video clip, and then she's going to speak for a few minutes. Um, and it's great to have her here. Um, also, there is a mission trip planning uh, team. Uh, we're not quite sure where, but we're excited about the opportunity where, that we are going to throughout this year to go ahead and kick off planning for that event. And then also today, Paris Foundation. How are we? Awesome. I love that when we have one week, like we got lots of things, and then people say, no, thumbs up. So thank you for that. So Parish Foundation today. So we got a lot of things going on. We want to lift everybody up in your prayers, and I will touch on the prayers after that. Right now, what I want to do is I want to show you a brief video about Miriam's table, and then Susie's going to come and share with us. In the summer of 2010, two worlds would meet for the first time in the heart of Susie Kiefer. As a part of a mission team to the Democratic Republic of Congo, Susie fell in love with the children that were part of the United Methodist Nutrition Program in the remote area of the Mpasa region. Before she left, she knew she needed to return to spend more time with these precious children. Upon her return the next summer, she met two-year-old Miriam. The bonding between them was immediate. circumstances of Miriam's life changed in 2012, Susie and her husband Ed were given the opportunity to adopt her. In the fall of 2013, Susie was back in Mpasa to bring Miriam home. While waiting for Miriam's exit visa, Susie continued to work at the nutrition center. Mothers from the outskirts of Mpasa sought out Susie, asking her to come and see their starving children. Her heart was torn apart by their plea. Through much prayer with family and friends, they discerned that God was commanding them to feed these children. That is when Miriam's Table was born. Miriam's Table is located in the Mpasa region, where the poorest of poor live. Never before has this community received services from other nonprofit organizations. With the anticipation of serving about 150 children, Miriam's Table opened its doors in October of 2014. In just a matter of two weeks, the number swelled to 250. Over the next several months, the numbers continued to grow. Today, about 350 children are fed five days a week. The daily meal is a mixture of grains and nutrients 
to give the children a full day's nutrition, because it may be the only meal they receive that day. Through our efforts, much-needed medicines are now available to the children to prevent some diseases contracted through tainted water and foods. In addition to the health of our children, seven Congolese men and women have been given full-time jobs. In an area where little work is available, this has been a huge blessing. When Susie and Miriam visit, games and laughter are an everyday event. Everyone joins in the fun. God continues to orchestrate this ministry, and lives are being changed at Miriam's table. All right, and we are... We, we've been blessed so far um, by your giving, and this is a very giving church, and you have a heart for mission. And so, but we're really blessed to have um, Ed and Susie, right? And also Miriam, she go to Sunday school. She's in Sunday school, so Miriam is actually here with them today. So um, would you like to come up and share? Oh, you got one. They got you taken care of. There we go. And Ed, if you want to come up so people get a look at you too, you can. You're allowed. There you go. There's Ed. Good morning, and uh, thank you so much for, um, I want to thank Emily and, and Wes for having us here because their hearts have been, well, I've been with Wes since 2010 in heart because we shared our first trip in 2010 to Congo together. So it's been an amazing journey, as you can see. It's hard for me to watch that video without getting a little teary or even to talk about this without getting teary, so I'll try to get through it without. But um, I just, I think what I really want to share this morning is, is that when we are God's vessels, you never know where he's going to take you. I went to Congo with the idea that I just felt in my heart that God wanted me to go to Africa, and I didn't know why. I had no idea all the plans that he had, had for us as a family together. And when I went in 2010 and we first arrived there, I, you know, there were machine guns and, and, and people everywhere. With, and I thought to myself, what in the world have I done? I was really kind of frightened, and it was dark and, and uh, noisy and, you know, Eight million people living in an area for four million, and it was just a little overwhelming. And but I can tell you, by the end of those ten days, when we walked back to the airplane, we had to walk outside. And I remember just breathing this huge breath in and saying, you know, I just don't want to forget this place. I need to come back, and I don't know when, but I'm asking God to bring me back. So when I got home, I just knew that there was something that I really needed to go back for, and it was the children. Because we only got to spend a couple of days with them in 2010, but my heart was just wanting to be with them. Every time they wanted us to go to a meeting or talk, I just wanted to be outside with the children. And so the following year, I said, in 2011, I really want to go back, but I only want to go to spend my two weeks with the children. And so the very first day back in 2011, that's when I met little Miriam. And there are children everywhere, because there's like 250 to 300 children that are being fed where she was. And so she... I picked her up like I had other children, but just shortly after we got there that first day. But every time I went to put her down, she'd stayed like a little monkey right here. You know, just do, do this thing. She, she didn't let go like the other children. And so there was this immediate kind of bonding between the two of us that was something that you couldn't explain. And so as the, as the two weeks went on, every day when I came, she was, as you saw some of those clinging times, when I arrived, she would be there. 
when I left, she would cry every day because I went back to the, the guest house to stay, and every day she was waiting. And it was hard to say goodbye to her at the end of those two weeks and to all the children and to the program itself. So when I left and got on the airplane, I remember sitting there, and I could still feel those little arms around my neck. And tears started to come up my eyes, and I didn't, it, it wasn't like I was crying, but they were there. It was real. So I said to Ed when I got home, I said, you know, I just don't think I can wait a whole another year to go back to be with those children. And he said, with you being a teacher and having the Christmas vacation, maybe we could you could extend it a little bit and go back. And so I did. So the Christmas of 2011, I arrived there two days after Christmas, and um, Miriam was waiting like we had never been apart. She was just right there, back up in the arms, back down, back up, you know. So I was only there eight days because it was short, but... I got to meet her father, and she had her stepbrother who would bring her every day because she lived in a small hut right behind the feeding, the feeding program place. So I met her father and took a little picture album uh, of the two of us from the summer before, and that was the connection I had with her father. He saw how much I loved, I loved him and I loved her. And so the following year in 2012, shortly before I was going to return to go back, I got an email saying that Miriam's father had passed away. Now, Mary's mother had abandoned when she was just a tiny baby, so she lived only with her father and her older stepbrother. And her father was raising her, and so there he was gone, and so she was legally then an orphan. And I was telling Ed I, that I'd received the worst email ever. I said, she's, and I told him that, you know, Mary's father had died. I said, she'll become an orphan, and I don't know what's going to happen to her. I don't know where she'll go. And he said, you're going to have to bring her home then. <laughs> now, at the time, I thought that was kind of a crazy idea because... We have two grown children, we're really not at the age to be raising a little child, and I thought it was an impossible task. But when I got over there and I started to speak to our mission coordinator that we work with there, he's Congolese, and he, he said to me, it's very possible for you to bring her home through the United Methodist Church. And I'm still thinking to myself, by that time my daughter had gone with me to Congo, she's 30 now, but at that time she was up there, and she said, Mom, you have to bring her. I keep saying, but Jacqueline, I'm too old. You know, and I had all these reasons. I was too old. Was it the right thing to do to take her out of her country? Blah, blah, blah. So Adolph, our mission coordinator, said to me, he said, we need to talk to people from Miriam's family. It has to be the males of the family that make decisions about the children. The very next day, three uncles of Miriam's father's brothers came to see me. And they said, this is why I'm thinking that God's going to hit me over the head with a baseball bat. Miriam's father was hoping you would arrive before he died because he wanted you to have her. And I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> here we go. So um, it was going to take four months, but it took 14. And our last trip over there in September, Ed and I traveled together to bring her home. Um, it was supposed to take like five to seven days to bring her home, but things changed in the Congo as they usually do. And Ed had to come home after 10 days, and I was there for 30-some days. Luckily for me, I had met, and I was living with Congolese families at the time, and Miriam was living with us, and it was, everything was fine for me to be there. But it also gave me time to, re, to connect more and more and more with the people of the Mpasa region where, this, where the feeding program is. And it was the night before Miriam and I were to leave, I had spent the whole day getting her paperwork downtown. And we were staying with Dr. Yahadi, and she said, some women came to look for you today at the feeding center. And they said, we're looking for your Susie because we understand that she feeds your children. Our children are starving. Can she come and see and feed our children? 
So I flew home the next morning with that in my heart, and I'm thinking, you know, I know we can't feed all the children that are hungry in this world, but when I share it with Ed, once again, he said, I think we can do this. And he said, I'd like to do it in honor of Miriam. And so a friend of ours actually came up with the name Miriam's Table, come to dine with Miriam at her table. It's always open for everybody. So as you can see in the video, uh, it happened. Um, a building, we found some land where, right in the area where the mothers were from. The building was built, and children started to come. First day, we had 65 children. And as you can see in the video, how thin and how malnourished they were. I have to tell you that the region of the Impasa region is, is filled with people that are refugees from Angola and the eastern side of Congo. So when they came there in, in, in the early 80s and 90s, there was no work. And now there's like a million people that live there, and it's just overwhelming to see, you know, what they go through on a daily basis. Um, so... But where Miriam's table is located is actually in the region of the poorest of the poor. No one has ever been in that area before. So God really called us to do something quite unusual, to be there. It's very hard to get there. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have to take, um, if you have four-wheel drive, you can go there in four-wheel drive, but stop at the top and walk down to Miriam's table, or you can go by motorcycle, which is how I go. <laughs> they made us at the highway and drive us through the sand. But... Um, they never had medication there or, or any of those things were not available to them unless they walked miles and miles to get someplace. So we're so excited to be there. You know, uh, this past fall, we opened up the Miriam's Table United Methodist Congregation. So we have a church meeting there. Families are coming um, and the children come that day and are fed with their families uh, after the service. And, so God is just growing and growing. And in the meantime, I spoke at a Rotary meeting. And I, I honestly have to tell you, I didn't know anything about Rotary. I didn't know they had money. I didn't know anything. <clears throat> at the end of the slide presentation, I shared with them that we had two hopes at Miriam's table. One was to feed the extra 100 children that we knew were waiting to be fed. And the second thing was that we really needed freshwater well. We have people die every day of all the diseases that come from the dirty water that they have to, to eat, cook, drink, you know, bathe do everything in. At the end of that meeting, I had someone who volunteered to pay for the extra 100 children for the first three months, which was $2,400. It was $800 a month more to feed an extra 100 children. And Rotary took over that payment then to pay for those extra children. A second lady from Rotary came up who was a district governor, and she said, I think we can get your well. So hopefully this summer we'll have fresh water. And it's not going to be just for Miriam's table, but for the whole community. And so I'm so excited to know that, that God just keeps opening these doors and the Rotarians over there, because we're connected with a Rotary group over there, which has been amazing. He's already talking about clinics and other things coming. So we've actually purchased the land now that we, we are on through donations, especially for that. that. And um, the well will be put on part of that land so that we're hoping that what will happen is people will pay a small, small amount of money. It's about, it'll come to about 10 cents for 22 liters of water. And they'll come, and that money then will generate money for Miriam's table at some point. Uh, we'll have a committee of people from the community that will take care of the well and um, be sure that everything's kept care. Plus, sanitation is also coming. Large sinks and water with that. So pretty exciting. Anyway, thank you for having us, and uh, we'll keep, uh, keep you updated on what's happening with the well and all. So thank you.
All right, and, and that, I mean, that's, isn't it awesome that God knew all this was going to happen? Um, one person, two people, a couple together that, that have changed, changed the world by being obedient and following God. So this whole day is going to match into that. So, um, so we, we had those, uh, many of us have had those uh, loaves, um, and we've been filling them. And so what we're going we're gonna to have these up here today um, for you to go ahead, and by the end of the service, if you'd like to put them up there, you can go ahead and put the loaves that we've been having. Some people probably be like, oh, I forgot it. Okay, we'll work through that. Um, some of you may say, I didn't get a loaf, but I want a gift. You can by all means give to that. Um, if you, uh, I've been told by the treasurer, if you want credit for that, for tax and stuff, you've got to write it out to Haven Community Church. We'll make sure it gets to them. Um, right now we're at r- roughly around $2,000 right now. Okay, so I'd love to see us even smash that even more. Um, but that's, that's what we do. This is what we're here for, right? Remember, from our radical study, those of you who may not have known that, um, most of the world lives on $2 or less a day. And that doesn't happen every day. That means they may get five here, and that may have to last for a month, and they may get several others somewhere else. So um, we, can, we can make a difference. This is the least of these that the Lord talked about, all right? So we're, we're going to continue to do that. We have one more announcement, and I know Wayne um, and uh, Justin Wright had talked about um, their computer people, and so they wanted to go ahead and give people an opportunity to understand a family tech night know about internet, all that other kind of stuff to really help that. This is a sign-up, so if you're interested, you can go ahead and pass that around um, and make sure it gets to each area. So we want to make sure everybody does sign up for that who would be interested. And we also have other prayers. Um, my mother, is he- Joanne Cohen, is headed to Fox Chase for her um, regular visit on Tuesday for continued prayers for her healing going on. And Joanna has asked for prayers for Donnie, who's coming home, and he asked for the church to pray for him and his full recovery. So we want to continue to do that. All right? If you have prayer requests um, and you're watching on Facebook Live, you can just put them right up there on Facebook Live. We'll be glad to go ahead uh, on Facebook and be glad to lift those up in our prayers. Um, also, if you want to go to our website, we have an opportunity to have that as well. And um, if you're not on the prayer, uh, uh, I want to say prayer chain, which used to be where people called you. We don't have to do that anymore. But if you want to be on that email list that comes out, by all means, let us know that as well. Okay? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get ready for this time. Lord God, we come to you right now once again, and I want to thank you for Susie and Ed who um, have just done exactly what uh, you call us to do, to be faithful, to open our, our lives and our hearts to your calling. Um, and when we do that, God, it changes, changes everything. And so, Lord, as we uh, continue during this time, we know that there are several that are looking for healing and continued healing as they face um, doctors and medical staff, et cetera, et cetera, all the other ones. Um, we know that there are those who have been struggling with addictions and health issues and other things like that. And God, we just pray that um, you will go ahead and, um, and just touch those people in their lives, just like you did that piano right now. And so, God, um, I thank you for, for who you are, that you are a healer. You're a mighty God. You're a wonderful, good Father. You love us so much, and you have given us so many gifts. Um, When we look at that, uh, and we see that um, here's a a young, young kid whose mother wasn't around, whose uh, father passed away and had a brother that was kind of taking care of things, that he should just be a kid. So this point that, God, you knew what was going to happen, and you knew that your hand was working all through that, that you took care of her needs in a place of the world where many people don't even think about people and they think of them as, as just nothingness. I thank you for the heart of, your, of the body of Christ 
that says, no, they, these children and these people are your children. And so, God, it is our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to reach out to them. And not only them, but those in our community, those who suffer in all kinds of ways with homelessness, addiction, those who don't know you, God. Help us be your hands and feet. Help us be the active body of Christ. We claim this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. As now we take time to give back to you, bless the offering and the gifts that they may be used for your kingdom here and around the world. In Jesus' mighty name we all pray. Amen. Let's extend our worship time. Let's stand up with the song. I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, as she was talking, this song is just, is just perfect for what we just talked about in Miriam's table. And, you know, we just think about, you know, God is a good, good father. You all agree with that? No matter what, we, God is good all the time. Set our voices in praise. Sing together this song. Oh, and I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell that I'm you're a good, good father.
Good morning. Our scripture this morning is from Genesis 32, verses 24 through 29. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Try that again. How my big dog? There we go. Good to have you. So hopefully somewhere, somewhere, somebody's online scaring somebody in the other room. All right. So we are in the third week of our series, Running with the Big Dogs. And it's really cool. Some people on Facebook this week, um, I know uh, Riggs sent me a picture of his big dog, and it started me thinking, hey, I want to see who else is big dog. The people have been putting their dogs, but some of them are like about this big. So I don't know. Maybe they have a big bite. But we are... um, in the midst of the series, and we're going to jump right in today. Our theme verse for the series comes from Hebrews chapter 12, and it is right here. It's also printed in your bulletins. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, it's all those people who have gone on before, not just those in the Bible, but those who um, were believers that went on before us. They are surrounding us. Um, you know, they're, they're in heaven cheering us on. Um, and, you know, they lived their lives so that through their lives they could go ahead and um, give us testimony to what they're doing. And it says this, it says, to let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What the, I like that verse because what it tells us is it's not easy. They're saying it's not easy. It, you don't just go and, and become a believer and everything's just awesome and easy and laid back. They say it's, it's tough. You've got to throw that stuff off and let us run with what? perseverance, the race that has been marked out for us. And um, so it's, we, we're running this. And what we're doing, um, John Maxwell, the leadership guru of the world, I think, went ahead and he wrote several books and he used this idea that if we were surrounded by a, in a stadium, anybody been to a stadium, right? And what's the stadium noise? <sighs> right? You hear all that crowd and it's just people, it's not some people standing up in the stands going, <sighs> They're not doing that, but that's what it sounds like. Am I right? It's everybody talking, and it sounds like this kind of white noise 
stuff that's there, so you can't hear them. So what John Maxwell came up with an idea, and I think it's a great idea, is what if one of those great heroes of faith, can, and we're on the, on the racetrack of life, and they say, what, what if they come out of the stands and run a lap with us? What would they tell us? Because then you can hear somebody. You can hear somebody in your life. And in the last couple of weeks, we started with Elisha. Remember Elisha? And last week, we talked about Rebecca. Okay, and we talked about Rebecca, who married who? Who was her husband? Isaac, whose father was Abraham. And that's good because today, we're going to talk about somebody else, somebody who probably has a lot written about them in the Scripture. And he is related to this family very closely. His name is Jacob. And Jacob is Rebecca and Isaac's son. He would be Abraham's grandson. And there's a ton about Jacob in his life. And when we look at his life situation, I believe he's, he would tell us something like this. When life isn't turning out the way you hoped. Anybody ever reach a point in your life where you say, ah, eh, this isn't how I thought it would be. Any children of the 80s? Okay, remember what they told you? You go someplace, you work 30 years, you retire, they give you a watch, right? That kind of stuff. How'd that work out for you? Okay, exactly. All right, so we have this, but ultimately I think what he's trying to say is that we all are guilty of this, trying to control our own lives. Correct? We all try, we all think what we know what's best for us. Am I right? Okay, and so Jacob is kind of saying this, and Jacob is a guy who tried to control every aspect of his life. For a, as a matter of fact, Jacob is a manipulator. He was a manipulator from the very first point. He tries to manipulate everything. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us when he was born, he was a twin, and his older brother's name was Esau because he was red and hairy. All right, that's what we know about him. And so, and we know some other things. He's not very bright. But anyway, he, he is the first one to be delivered, and Jacob went and grabbed hold of his heel and said, uh-uh, I'm going first. And he's like holding on. And how many babies give birth and like, uh-uh, right? Probably had to hold the umbilical cord wrapped around him, pulling it like that. You know, he's like, I'm first. And when they saw that, they went ahead and said, you know what? His name's Jacob, which means deceiver. It means that sucker's going to, he's going to have some interesting stuff in life. He's going to have figured out his way. It ain't always going to be fun, but that's what we're going to name him. We're going to name him Jacob. And every part of his life was like that. He didn't forget from the womb wanting that firstborn a blessing in the firstborn birthright, so much so that he was kind of a mama's boy. Rebecca kept him close to her, and when and his brother was like a guy who you see outside with a camouflage hat and a fish hook. He was a guy who liked to be outside, all right. And he, you know he would be at Cabela's, you know, you know those places. That's that's who Esau was. And he came in one day after hunting, and he didn't get anything. And his brother was making some some soup, and he's like, "Hey, give me some of that soup." He's like, "All right, give me your birthright." And Esau says, I'm hungry, sure, here you go. So I told you, he wasn't very bright. So anyway, he did that, so Jacob did that. Um, he even fooled his blind father, his mother helped him with this, and he actually put hairy goat skin, that tells you how hairy Esau was. Um, he was like Sasquatch. And so he even put that on his hands so that his father would give him a blessing of the firstborn while he was dying. And then he got out of Dodge because he knew Esau might have been dumb, but he ripped him in half. So he took off, and mom said, get, 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 go. So he went, he went to her family, and while he was there, he saw this beautiful, beautiful girl and said, I want to marry her. Father says, go ahead and work for me for seven years, sure, no problem. Then they have the wedding, and at the wedding, he gets so drunk that the father slides the other girl, 
of, and all we know is her name was Leah, which is translated cow. You figure that out yourself. That's all I know. That's how drunk the man was. All right, so they went ahead, and so he had Leah, and he's like, what the heck happened here? He said, oh, I got to marry her first, and then he works more, and it, it just was deceit all around him. Anybody know people like that? There's just like this stuff all around them. No matter what they do, they, you know, might, might be decent people, you might get along with them, but there's just stuff around them. And it's exhausting to be around them. And this is Jacob. And so what Jacob says is when your life, and every time he did it, it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to be. And eventually you come to a point where you've got to deal with what you've created yourself. And Jacob would tell us, if he came down through the stands and ran a lap with us, he would say, when your life isn't turning out the way you had hoped, let God take control of your life. You see, none of us are good at this. We'll sing songs and we'll read verses and we'll say that. And, you know, we love to be Christians because we like the eternal non-smoking reservations at the end of it all. But most of us don't love to trust God and give God control of our finances. Many of us don't love to give God control of our um, our choice of a significant other, a spouse. Many of us don't like to give God charge of our careers or our jobs. And what happens when we don't give God charge in areas of our life that we need to give God charge of, meaning everything, we will end up in a crisis point. And I will tell you this, God does not create the crisis, but he allows it to happen often to get our attention. You see, Jacob throughout his life had these moments where he met with God. He, he, had, he had these moments where he saw angels ascending and descending, and then he goes off and does his own thing. It's not until the crisis point came that he, God really got his attention. And I believe some of us may right now may be going through a crisis in our life, and guess what? God wants to get your attention. It's like Corey Ten Boom. Anybody ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? Good book, The Hiding Place, about being a Christian in Nazi Germany. And she made this statement. It's one of the greatest statements I've ever seen. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. That's a crisis point in life. That's a major crisis point in my life. But here's the good news. Jacob's come out of stand, so we don't have to wait to get to that point. We can figure it out by giving God control of our lives right here and right now. And if you do, there's going to be three things that will happen. Three things that happen. So Jacob is going along. He comes to this point in his life, and he's got to go back to where his brother is. Okay? And so he goes back to where his brother is, and he says, okay, my brother's pretty ticked at me, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to divide half my family here. I'm going to divide half my family here. I'm going to send them all over there across the river, and I'm going to stay here. Real brave guy, right? Okay? So he sends his wives, his children, everything else over here, splits them up because he figures if Esau comes after us, he'll only take half of them. And if, he take, if he's really good and gets all of them, I get away. All right? Good guy. See what I'm saying? He's even doing that with his family. And he's at a place called Peniel, or Penuel, whatever you want to say. And what that means is something really interesting. It's what name he gives to it. It means meeting God face to face. And what happens in crises is that we actually meet God face to face. And we've got to decide what we're going to do when we meet God face to face. And if we do so, there are three things from this text that I just want to share with you with our remaining time today. Three things that will change this, this pace. Uh, a change that's place of change. The first thing is, when you meet God face to face, and you really deal with this, you will get a new strength. One of the things I want to say to the people here, there are some of you who are awesomely self-sufficient. 
you're so awesomely self-sufficient that you have no need for God, and then you're heading to a crisis. And when that crisis comes, you can't figure it out because you are not strong enough. None of us are. Throughout the scripture, there is always a time where people end up in some kind of crisis. Jacob is finally all by himself. Here he is, standing completely by himself. And if we look in, in Genesis chapter uh, 32, 24, it says this. It's in your bulletin. This, this left Jacob alone in camp. He said, everybody over. And a man came and wrestled with him until the break of dawn. So here you go. Jacob is alone and a man. Now, anytime you see this in the scripture, it's a reference to an angel, to God himself, or something like that. All right? So he's wrestling with him. Now, I always found this really weird. Here's Jacob all by himself. Somebody shows up. Ding, ding, ding. Let's wrestle. Doesn't that seem kind of odd? It's like, hi. Not, not, not hello. How are you? It's just like, and they go right at it, and they start wrestling. And they do this. They don't just do it for a little bit, but they wrestle until daybreak. That's a big wrestling match. And then in the midst of this wrestling match, he sees he can't overcome uh, the guy he's wrestling with, so he just kind of holds on. Anybody in your life, you just you feel like the whatever's going on and whatever you're wrestling with, you can't, it's, it's taken over, so you just hold on. You just kind of hold on and hope for the best. And so he wrestled with him, and some of you are doing that today. You're wrestling with this. And so all of a sudden, the man's sitting there and kind of laughs, or the angel or God, and goes, and just goes, boop, touches his hip. And now he can't move. Knocks his hip out of socket. All right? And what I see here is God is meeting him where it is, but he's showing, you think you're strong. You think you really got it together. I, I know, I see all the degrees you got. I see everything that you got in life. I see everything you have. But let me tell you, your strength is not strong enough to deal with what you got to deal with. You need me. So just to prove to you, I've been wrestling with you all night just to show you that, guess what? You think you're good, but you're not that good. So I'm going to show you, uh, boom, boom, now you're not moving. Right? And this is what God does in our lives to help us figure things out. Like, for instance, there are times as a parent that you have to let your children, one of the hardest things to do as a parent is let your children fail. Am I right? We, 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 we want to be a, a good parent, and we don't want them to have to do with it. But when they struggle, they learn more about what you say than if they, if they didn't struggle at all. And we want to prevent them from that. But if your children are like me, I'm kind of stubborn. Anybody kind of stubborn? And when you're stubborn in life, sometimes you figure it out better when your stubbornness doesn't get you to where you are. God is telling you some, some today to trust in him. And you know, we are so self-reliant in our world. I'll tell you, here's a great way to find out that you're self-reliant. You're worn out. You're exhausted. And, you know, in our culture, we look at that as a, as a prideful thing, don't we? You say, I, I, I don't know how many people, you, try this today. Say, how you doing? I'm just exhausted. It's like we go, oh, great. Oh, great. I'm glad. Yeah, thank you. I am so tired. Oh, awesome. You're doing, the, you're doing it. Yeah. Woo! That's what you want to say. You want to say, oh, I am so tired. And it makes us feel good, doesn't it? We tell people, I am so tired. You know why? Because you're relying on your own strength, and eventually you're going to break. Eventually, you will break. God didn't create these bodies for eternity. He created us for eternity with him, but not these bodies. They break down, and the older I get, they break down a little bit more and a little bit quicker. In Matthew chapter 11, we see where Jesus said this very important thing. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Give you rest. And so you're like, oh, cool. And you think that the next part of this is, I got a, I got a big king-size 
you know, sealy uh, memory foam mattress for you to chill out the rest of your life and just enjoy. Is that what it says? No, look what it says. It says this. It says, come to you, me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Stop. What is a yoke? A yoke, it's not, not an egg yoke. That's, okay. Take my yoke. Okay, I'll ask you. But here's what it is. It is a tool in farming that there are two little hoops in wood, and they put on you around the oxen or the cows or whatever, and they march together. Now, what's interesting, the stronger one is bigger. They can't be same strength or else they don't get anywhere. They pull against each other. The stronger one is bigger. That's God's yoke that we are yoked to. And the other one fits around the other one. And they walk and they go. And they go forward and they do what they're supposed to do. Stop. There was two different kinds of yokes that farmers used. One was like the generic uh, kind of like Dollar Tree brand that one size fits all. You with me? And so if you're really kind of cheap, as a farmer, you would go ahead and you would have one on one and the other one would be on the other one. And it didn't fit well, so what would happen is it would rub when they pulled. And, it, and as they were working under their own strength, you with me here? As they were working under their own strength, it hurt. It was painful. And they had to push through that pain. And every step of the way was painful for them. If you were a good farmer and one who loved your livestock, you would have one especially made for them so it fit them perfectly so that then when they were yoked to the stronger one and that side was made perfectly it was easy for them what jesus is telling us is simply this take my yoke upon you because i've got it perfectly made for you and many of us have been living generic dollar tree lives of a yoke and so we're wondering why we are broken down and tired and exhausted because we're trying to push through under our own strength with something it was never intended for. When God has something perfectly made for us. Isn't that cool? I'm preaching a heck of a lot better than you're responding right now. So, okay, it's true. Okay, um, all right. So this is what, I, I'm not done yet, but this is what happens. So, um, what he says, he's going to give, your rest is not an activity. Rest is a condition of your soul. It's not an activity that we have. For instance, this is why in the scripture that it says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Eagles. They shall run and not be weary, blah, blah, blah. Now, I want to tell you, eagles are really cool. Um, I remember I was headed down Theodore Road one day. And there was an eagle. And I don't know if any of you are like this, but when you see like one of those bald eagles, you just kind of stop. I mean, in the middle of the road, you're like, Whoop. and you want to see what it does. And it just hangs up there. And eagles are really, really cool. It says you will mount up with wings like eagles. And eagles have a really cool way of flying. They fly without flapping. Like, for instance, if you see an eagle and it starts up, it goes, And they just soar. Because, you know, I did some research on eagles. Here's what's really cool. All right? The eagles don't fly on their own strength. They look for what they call, out of their nest, they don't jump out until they find what they call a thermal current. 
And when they jump out, they're soaring on something else that's lifting them up. You know, when you see it, you kind of stop and go, my country, tis. you know, when you see it, it's so awesome. Because we don't see a ton of them, and they're like, all right. Now, I remember when Jacob was little, he really liked birds. And I like watching birds. You ever watch little birds? You ever like watching little birds? You ever seen them? They're like, and they perch on top. If you're a hummingbird, many of you lives, many of you are living your lives like little birds. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Am I right? Scripture doesn't say you live your life like a hummingbird. But Lord, why are we doing that? When all we have to do is and soar on the thermal draft of the Holy Spirit that lifts us up and has a soar. Eagles aren't, whoo, I'm tired of like, mm, look at that little bird. Mm-hmm. I'm going to swoop down and get it, right? Why? Why are we living that way? You need the strength of the Holy Spirit. I'm tired. Um, so much for that one. Got my workout today. You get it? Stop living like a little bird. Live like an eagle. All right? Number two, you will get a new identity. And that's not actually wrong. I should have put something else down. You will get the identity you were supposed to have. You see, because Scripture tells us we all go astray. We each go to our own way. God, when we, if we give God our lives, he wants to bring us back to where we need to be. Look at what it says here. Look at what uh, Jacob said here. What is your name? The man asked. Now, he knew who Jacob was. Or let me say he knew who Jacob should be. Jacob says, my name's Jacob. So he says, my name is Deceiver. My name is Conniver. My name is, that's who I am. That's who I chose to be. That's who I've become. And then listen to what the, the man, God, the angel says. No, 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 no. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and man and have won. What Israel actually means is, let me see here, I lost my place, I was flying around too much, sorry, all right, what Israel means is that God is magnificent, the magnificence of God, some have translated as you are prince of God, but you are prince of God, all right, that's where you are, I tell you, I am tired, I'm asleep, all right, you see, let me say this way, you think you know who you are. But let me say it this way. God does not see you as you are. God sees you as who you can become in him. God sees the possibilities in you. In order to become who you aren't, you have to submit your life to God. God loves to take old things and make new. He loves to do that. Look at what he did in the New Testament. And his brother, Andrew, brought to him Jesus, brought him to Jesus, his brother. And Jesus looked at him. It's the first time Jesus meets the guy. And he meets him. And he says, hey, I'd like to introduce you to my brother. And he says, no, 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 this is, this is my brother Simon. He says, no, 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 no. 
It's the first time he met him. No, no, this, you're, not, you're not Simon. You're Peter. You're Cephas. In other words, let me tell you what Jesus was saying here. It said, Simon means hearer of God. You hear God. Cephas means rocky. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The, and Jesus said, this is the rock I'm going to build my church on. You see, I think so many of us are ones that are content with just hearing God rather than being something that God can build upon. Scripture says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. Be doers of the word. God wants to make and write a new story in you. Number three, you get a new attitude. How many people do you know in life who need a new attitude? All right. Don't get too happy. They might be sitting next to you, all right? And what I mean by attitude, you get joy. And I want to tell you this. This could be a whole sermon to itself. Joy is not external. Joy is internal. Happiness is external. But joy, regardless of circumstances, regardless of those circumstances, you can have it. Look at what it says in Genesis 32, 29. He says, Jacob turns around and says, please tell me your name. And he says, why do you want to know my name? And then the man did what? Bless Jacob there. Now I want to tell you, we use blessing in a different way. Blessing does not mean financial and things. Blessing comes from the word makarios in Greek, which actually means an internal joy. He says, you know, Jacob, you've been trying to, to try everything. You, you, you ripped off everybody. You got a birthright. You got the blessing from your father. You went ahead and you got two wives for the price of one. You went ahead, you, got, you ripped off your father-in-law and got more, more uh, livestock by conniving. And here you are at this place where you're still not settled in your, in your life. And so what you need is some Macarius. You, can add, you don't need to know my name because we could be here all day because I am who I am. And so let me tell you, what I'm going to do is give you something that you really need. You need eternal joy, internal joy. And Jacob finally started to get it together. You see, that's why Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said to a bunch of people who had nothing, people who were out of their homes because of the Roman government and other kinds of things. This is why Jesus said this in Matthew. Blessed or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In other words, what are they going to be filled with? Joy. Whether the circumstances stink or not, they can be filled with the joy. And that scripture tells us it's joy unspeakable. That will never end. So here we are. We're going to take this last lap. We're taking around the turn, and Jacob's running with us now. You're still flapping away. He's saying, just start soaring. And so here we come to this point where here's Jacob, and Jacob's going to tell us something in this lap rap. First thing he's going to tell us this, three more things. Brokenness always comes before a breakthrough. Nothing happens before you give in. So many of us have something wrong. We think God expects us to be perfect. It's not what God wants. God wants us to honestly just come to the point and say, God, I need you. That's what I, I just need you. I need you, God. I love you. I need, I'm a mess. I've been flapping around so long. I'm exhausted, and I just need you. I just need you, God, in my life. Look at what, it's, what I want us to put it this way is, we cannot be who God expects us to be and hold on to our own ideas about who we should be. And we can't be who God wants us to be. That We can't be Israel if we still hold on to being Jacob. We can't be the eagle that soars if we're still flapping around. We can't be the big dog if we're still sitting on the porch. In other words. So we just need to, the old statement, let go and let God. Just let go of it. 
Just let go of it. And you know, it's interesting, the, the baby eagles that they've seen and watched, they don't like to leave the security of the nest. It's safe there. They understand the nest. It's got everything they need. They got big mama eagle who soars in and feeds me, and they don't want to leave it. So much so that the mother eagle has to sometimes, has, has to often and most of the time, get them to the edge and boom, pick them up and drop them out. Sometimes they'll scoop them up, fly, and then they'll drop them, and it's like fly or crash. And they learn. You know, in Ezekiel, it talks about the waters rising. It talks about some people who walk in to their ankles. And this is good for the beach, too. Like, you walk into the ankles. I love the people who say, hey, I'm going to go swimming. And they go into their ankles and go, splash, splash. You ain't swimming. You're just getting your toes wet, right? And, you're, and you know why? Because you feel safe and secure there. And there's some people who say, okay, I'm going to go swimming a little bit more. And you go what we call wading. You're in here. And you know, you feel comfortable here because the waves come, you can kind of go, and you keep going like that. Okay? You can do that. And then there's some of you who are like, I'm going in, and you're like, Baywatch. And you're out there, and you start, and then you look, you're like eight miles down, and you have to swim. You know why? Because you let the current take you. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about when it comes to a Christian relationship, not going, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Ooh, oh, there's a wave, God. I got this. We're talking about getting in and backstroking and saying, where are we going, God? You leave me in your current. You leave me where you would have me be. All right? Psalm 51, great psalm, says this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, a remorseful heart. That's what God loves. As a matter of fact, he's attracted to it. First Peter builds upon that when it says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves. Look at that verse. What does it say? Humble what? Guess what? You're going to be humbled, so it's better to humble yourself. You're either going to have humility or you're going to have humiliation when it comes to God. I would rather have humility myself. Humble yourselves that he may do what? Lift you up in due time. Isn't this awesome? Number two. You must find yourself, you must lose yourself before you find yourself. You can never be a, your, to your full potential until you let go. Jesus in Mark chapter 8 says this. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me do what? Lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. How many of you have kids who, had, who got their license and you had to sit in the passenger side? How much fun was that? Weren't you like sitting there like, uh, now, those of you who had little kids, imagine your little kids driving you around. Scary, right, parents? Not fun at first. And so you're trying to be good and godly, but really you're, you've got your foot on the invisible brake. You know, you're doing that. I think God's trying to do that in our lives sometimes. But guess what? He knows that if, we're, if he's there with us, that we can go. We've got to let him be in the driver's seat. The next verse says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will do what? But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will save it. Go all in. Go all in. Right, go all in. Last thing. Oh, excuse me. Before I get there, one more thing I want to say is don't let what you think you want get in the way of what God, of who God made you to be. Okay? God made you to be somebody special. 
and don't let anything you think you want get in the way. Number three, the last one. When you live God's way or find your true self, you will find real fulfillment. All right, so you can, you can kind of put your stuff away because I really want your heart for this one. I don't want you looking at anything really. I mean, you can see the screen up here. But I want you to listen to what God says here. This is going to be part of my prayer. So the worship team wants to come up. We're going to kind of start in that area. Um, in Romans chapter 12. So if, if any of this message made any sense to you today or touched your heart in any way, I want you to hear this. This is the prayer. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. This verse like leapt out at me and I want you to hit this to yourself. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you. And develops well-formed maturity in you. Embrace what God has for you. Fix your attention on that. Don't get caught up in what the culture tells you is going to be. The culture probably would have told these two, hey, you're, you're, you don't need to go ahead and raise a young child and take him out of the culture. But God said, this is your daughter who I've given to you. These are the kids that I've called to you. I'm sure they have a pretty good life. And they didn't have to go ahead and start this ministry, but lives are changed by their answering the call of who Christ called them to be. So who is Christ calling you to be? Because you will never, ever know what your life can be until you place it in the hands of the one who created you. He created you with an incredible purpose, and only God can bring it to fruition. Stop being Jacob and start being Israel. And soar. Amen? Let's stand on up. Lord God, I just want to thank you for everyone here today. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you have a yoke perfectly for us and that God our shoulders are beat up and bleeding because we've been trying to do it our way so Father right now as we are here where we are we are here because we want to hear from you so God for those who are here and for those who are part of church online we just want to lift up and ask that your Holy Spirit touch us that we're tired uh, tired of being tired that it's not a badge of honor but God we are tired of flying around like a hummingbird or these little birds that are all just kind of freaked out we want to claim that we will mount up with wings as eagles. So God, give us that, that wind of the Holy Spirit underneath us. For those who may have been flying around and we're coming to a crash and we're just laying around and we don't know, and this may be the first time that we're ever hearing this, we need to know who Jesus is. Some of us may have been part of a church and maybe that's why we're not part of a church anymore. But God, let them know that it's about the love that you have for us so much that you gave your son Jesus for us. That you want to surround you, surround them with your loving arms. And we need a savior here. So God, we're going to open up this altar. The altar means wherever you are. We're up front here with our Stephen ministers. Me available to pray. Whether you are at home, no matter where you may be. 
may the presence of God meet you right there. And an altar is a place where something needs to die. And so, God, there's stuff in our lives that needs to die that is keeping us from you. It's keeping us from that makarios, that inner joy. So, God, we want unspeakable joy. Not happiness, but joy. And we can only find it in you. Make us who you want us to be. Let us not get so caught up in the culture and the place around us that we forget who you are. And help us run with the big dogs. And help us become big dogs for others. Thank you, Father. For all of us, we need a little bit more strength in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Minister to us.
Oh, come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of After we, uh, we give the benediction and everything, we want to go ahead and go, you can go ahead and bring up um, your, your gifts for Miriam's table if you'd like to do so. If you have the, the loaves, you can put them there as well. Um, but if you, if you want to give a special gift, there's a basket there as well. And um, as we respond today, we're going to pray for this ministry and for um, Ed and Susie, definitely, and Miriam. As um, just shows what one person can do um, to let God take control. All right? Um, next week, we will continue our Big Dog series. And our big dog, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back to Grandma Sarah. Okay, so we're going to, we're saying, it could be Genesis big dogs so if we can go here anyway. But, um, so I hope you have an awesome week in the Lord, and may you be Huli, truly, Huli, Huli, okay, Huli, okay, um, who God wants you to be. And may you soar with wings of eagles. All right? So uh, go forth in love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the power and the, the draft of the Holy Spirit may lift you up on eagle's wings. And God, we just want to pray for, for both Ed uh, and Susie and also for Miriam. And thank you for this ministry. We pray that God, um, that so many more will come to know you through this ministry and just saying yes to you. And so God, um, just multiply the gifts that we give and anyone else who is giving to Miriam's table. That it is for so many others that can just, uh, just be fed. But ultimately, God, they know who their Savior is. And I give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody says, amen. Be sure to go ahead and give it. Go ahead and see Susie and Ed. I know they'd be glad.